Episode 48 of Gaming NBS, sponsored by darktheater.net, home of the character Folio. Welcome to Gaming NBS, a podcast where we talk about role-playing games and tabletop role-playing games and more role-playing games and other miscellaneous topics of geekery. I'm one of your hosts, Sean. And I'm Brett. Welcome back or welcome to the show. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Welcome. I'm pumped up. I got a little rest before the show. I feel pretty I th- good about myself. I think I think the, the, the quote was, hey, Brett, if it weren't for my wife, I totally would have forgotten to get up. <laughs> so, uh, Sean, Sean is, you're going to show. Freshly awakened from a nap. You know, I got a coaster. Well, it's not a coaster. I got, I got one of these, you know, nameplate thingies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm like, it's kind of sitting around. It's got a coat of arms on it and my <clears> name on it, Kelly. And I'm like, oh, stupid things on this little stand. Well, I'm using it as a coaster. Well, every time I put my damn drink on it, it condensates and sticks to it. So every time I lift my drink, it like lifts with it and then it goes, bing. It's like this ceramic piece slamming down on my table. I'm surprised it hasn't broken yet. Problems I, only alcoholics face. I figure I would share that with you. <laughs> Everybody need to know. Thanks, Sean. Frickin a. Yeah, man. Episode 48, two away from the big five oh. Yeah, people said uh, said it couldn't be done. Or no, wait! They said it shouldn't be done. That's what they said. They said it shouldn't be done. But we said, "Damn it! Damn those torpedoes! We're gonna make fifty. Off we go." So, shall we nail this one? See what we can do. Yeah, yeah. Let's move on. Let's do this thing. Let's do it. All right. Okay. So first of all, I want to start start out in the announcement piece of it, and I want to apologize to Mr. Ben Blanding. So a while ago. Um, I think you and I were talking about a game and we were like, yeah, what's that game? Uh, 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 uh. I think it's about this and it's something this. And in Google plus he, he said, Oh, almost a shout out on shout out on gaming and BS. And I said, well, what are you talking about? And he mentioned about the game and then he called the author of the game into the conversation on Google plus. And I'm like, Oh, Hey, I'll make it right. You know, just let where what were we talking about? What's the deal? And they provided a link. So uh, to end Philip Cole and Ben, I'm gonna get to it in in die roll. And you're muted, I think. Uh, our fiftieth episode is coming up. If you, like- I was just I was just so shocked. I mean, of all, I'm thinking back to the number of apologies we've had, yeah. and I think all of them come from you. I think you're the only person who's had to say he's sorry for what you've done. Well, it happens. Well, it's probably more like this. <clears throat> Ooh, all right. 50th episode. If you would like to reach out and congratulate us, I mean, this is kind of shame. This is such a shameful, shameless. It's a shameless. shame. It's a shamed plug. Shamed plug. We, here, we have no shame. We're asking you to do this thing, please. Yeah. Hey, tell us how, uh, you know, if you'd like to congratulate us on our 50th, we would love to put your blurb on the air. So go ahead. We've got a few already. Thank you so much to those that have um, submitted a congratulatory audio. Um, If you would like to 
Uh, try to keep it under about 10 seconds. 10 seconds is a long time. Uh, and either record it on your phone and send the attachment to gamingnbs at gmail.com. Or if you would like, you can call the 929 Big Dice number and leave it on the voicemail. And we'll we'll play it at a, on our 50th episode, which is in a couple weeks. Sweet. We got we got a little something, something brutal. Oh, yeah. Little teaser. Always do. Little teaser. We got something coming. We got some. You got to tune in in a land. Whatever. <laughs> nice. Anything else? Uh, Announcements wise? No. Uh, uh, no. No, I don't think no, so. No, I don't think so either. I don't think so. Should we go to a random encounter? Let's do this. All right. Random encounter where we field emails, voicemails, social media, comments on our blog. Nathan Panke. Nathan Panke. From G Plus, episode 46, Money. We talked about. Nice. My most recent campaign in 5e used the silver standard as well as uh, what Brett B. did. And Magic Mart, trademark, registered, copyright, was completely non-existent. Plate mail was a big deal for my fighter at 5 to 6 level, and a plus 1 weapon was really awesome and couldn't be bought. I liked the realism it brought to my elf game, but I'm not sure I'd do it again. In my current teen game, I'm running at the library. I'll go back to gold standard and have some common, quote-unquote, common magic items available at magic shops. Interesting. Yeah. I like. I really do like the silver standard, and I raved about it, but it's... um. It, it does well for me anyway. It's a bit of that quote unquote realism. It adds to it, so that's kind of uh, it's, it's cool. And I do understand though where sometimes people aren't necessarily there for that. They want the big gold, or they want to uh, be able to access you know magic items in a shop type of thing. So I get that too. Makes sense. And you got to know your audience too. If you have a group that doesn't want the <laughs> the gritty silver standard, if you will, type of world, they want the bigger. Rolling in gold pieces, you know, type of world. Then you gotta gotta play to it. Thanks for writing in, Nathan. Absolutely. Now, Michael Phillips, um, he commented on like four or five episodes on our blog, and we never cool. got we never got to him. So I'm not going to cover all four or five of them right this second. I'm going to just put out one that he put out uh, in you know, just one that I thought was interesting. Um, not that. The other ones weren't, but we'll we'll cover those maybe in future episodes. So Michael Phillips commented on episode forty three when we talked about PvP. Like so, in episode forty three, I can't remember the actual topic, but we touched on whether player versus player. Yeah, player versus player. So if say you wanted to do a persuasion check on, uh, but it's a player, will you allow it in your game? Because some games are like, no, it doesn't facilitate it. I don't want that to occur. I'd let the players kind of hash it out or the the characters make it happen without forcing a check or taking away player agency. Anyways, the problem in games like D&D of forcing players to accept other PCs' dice rolls in persuasion situations is that the rules explicitly say it doesn't work that way on NPCs, much less PCs. There are games that treat social conflict as combat with full resolution systems, and the few of them that do it well still don't do, still don't go as far as that. 
In D&D, persuasion isn't magic. There is magic that does what you want persuasion to do, and it gets a special place because it's magic. In Burning Wheel, if you lose a social conflict, you have to give up things, but you can still say absolutely no about specific things. Interesting. I think what... So the cool thing about Michael Phillips when he says this, my first thought is, shit, I got to go read my rules again. I want to go grab a couple D&D books and, and skim through them. And this is something that you and I have talked about before. We'll be saying, well, when I played D&D at this point, we'll talk about something. We were talking about this last week at work, and Sean said, but is that in the book? I'm like, fuck, I don't remember. Is that, was that a house rule or was that the actual rule that we did back when I played first ed all the time or was second edition? And some of that stuff that you, you do, I think with – when it comes to some of those social roles, the player versus player um, persuasion type of situations, you want it to resolve like combat because you just want it to go. And whomever is trying to force it wants to make it happen. And I think sometimes there might be undue pressure perhaps on the players or the game master at the point to say, okay, we, we, we don't necessarily want conflict. At least the dice told me that this is what happens the player's not being an ass or the game master's not being an ass and we don't have to deal with that there. The, the dice said this, move on, go. But I think, uh, I think Michael's right. I got to dig up some of my books again and just start parsing through it because I think so often I'm used to having players talk it out without that need for a persuasion role to try to force another player character to do something or even when they're talking to NPCs. I'll have to see what the rules actually say in a couple of games I'm running. I could be, I could be off. Indeed. Indeed, indeed I could. It's possible. Yeah. So there was another, do you want me to take all these or do you want to take some? I can do this one. All right, go for it. So Timothy Stone on Google Plus uh, talked about the episode 46, Money, who we just talked about. Now he, uh, I think we get, I think we got Tim, I think we got Tim's attention when uh, Roger Braslett uh, wrote in about Money and his Warhammer 2E game because Mr. Stone is Roger's game master for that episode. We've got a link in the show notes, but go out there and, and read through it. It's kind of interesting. Tim goes through and uh, – and Tim, I hope you don't mind Tim and not Timothy. So if I'm offending you, I apologize up front. Um, but anyway, he goes through and lays out kind of um, what the rule is as written and then kind of uh, the home the home rule, um, of, uh, the house ruling. The rules as written, house ruling, talks about trapping as role play, and then um, – they kind of go – he has a really nice layout there. I don't want to read the whole thing. It's really cool. So, Tim, thank you so much for writing it out. And the cool part I thought was the last two pieces here. This is a really cool thing. Roger says, hey, I hope I didn't come across as complaining. It has me it had me brainstorming outside the table and I was trying to be creative. Um, so, it, Roger just talking about it. He's like, yeah, look, look I'm, not, I'm not trying to complain, Tim. Basically, I think you're doing a good job. And Tim's like, dude, I loved it. It made me think as well. So – and as I told Sean before we started this this recording, I think that's the coolest thing that guys like Sean and I can do if we're running a podcast like this and we say something or bring up a topic that makes you think about, oh, I, mean, I wonder if I could change something or if the way I'm approaching this is really optimal. You may say, you know what, I, I looked it over and Brett and Sean are full of BS as they tend to be and therefore I'm not going to do it, hence the title of the show. Or you may say, you know what, it really it did make me take a second look at it and wow – as I just pointed out from uh, from Mike Phillips, I could be doing something wrong from a rules perspective, and it, it makes me want to go take a look at it. So that piece of it's pretty cool. So, Mr. Stone, thank you much for writing in, and uh, thank you for not killing Mr. Roger Braslett out of uh, out of spite and anger. <laughs> May Roger's character live long and and gain a new career path. Yeah, 
Your turn. I'm going to do this one. Shane Freeman, Google Plus community, posts. Uh, and I don't think it was on a specific episode uh, that I could tell. In pre- no, he just threw this out there. It's yes. Cool. Oh, yes. Now I remember. In preparing for our new set of adventures, ADD 2E, it dawned on me that all of the players have set up evil aligned characters. Dun, dun, dun. Thinking back, most of my players tend to drift toward anti-hero and dark characters in most of our games, and I really don't care if that, if that the way, if that's the way they want to play them, I'm cool with it. Uh, it makes social interaction a little harder for them in some cases and easier in others. What seemed most strange is that I never changed the protagonist. The big bad running things from behind the scenes is more evil than the dark detective or the murder hobos coming after him. That brings me to the idea behind this post. What happens when the antagonist, or at least one of the major recurring villains of the story, is a paladin? Yes, he's lawful good, but how many good PCs have tracked the evil assassins guild or the brigands to the edge of nowhere in order to exact justice for... uh, for uh, on cause or another. PCs run foul by of the law by accident and have to deal with the consequences. When they actively do so, the consequences should be severe enough to transform those good NPCs into a major menace for the party. Interesting. Yeah, that's good stuff, man. That's why I wanted to put it in here. And I'm like, yeah, man. One of the things, Shane, um, one of the things that this brings to my mind would be, I've always thought it would be interesting to run a kind of a low-powered superhero game, if you will. The Commissioner Gordon, the guy's trying to stop Batman. I'm just picking on Batman because that's the first one that comes to my head. But the the vigilante who's kind of doing something good and stopping the Joker or whatever it is or beating up criminals, but you're like, look, um, the law is the law, dude. Batman's kind of like that, you know, paladin of a god of justice type of thing practically or whatever alignment you you care to give him. But that idea of sometimes the paladins – um, I think Greyhawk had one one god, I can't remember his name offhand, Foltus, I think is this really hardcore, at least in third edition, was this hardcore paladin, you know, took the whole no evil shall ever live um, perspective. And I've, I have done that in the past where you have essentially the villain is a paladin. They're just this very, very extreme religious war type of thing. And you having to deal with moral ambiguity as a player character in my adventure or my storyline you, you had to be able to kind of cope with that and figure out how to discredit the paladin, get him to see things in a different light or something along those lines. So that's that's pretty cool. It, it This is one of those things that, Shane, I, lo- I love that you put this up there because it's, it's it's cool. Just thinking about, okay, you've got bad guys. What does that do if, the, uh, if your villain's a paladin? I mean, it doesn't even have to be evil versus good. It can be moral ambiguity versus absolutism or something along those well, lines. Well, it's all, it's all perspective. Yep, it's That's all, a lot more succinct than what I have. I mean, but yeah, perspective. Yeah, yeah, it could be a paladin, but I mean, it could be anybody. And so here's here's something I put out there, and this is not to get political on our show, but one could argue that the U.S. is the big evil empire, but we don't know that. We think we're great. We think we do good. So yep. right, so Perspe- it's, perspective is it's big. All, it's all perspective. Yep. As I, and the other part with paladins, as I say oftentimes at work with some of the people that I work with, they'll complain about somebody. I'm like, look, somebody somewhere is doing a job they suck at. There's a doctor somewhere who's not a good doctor. There's a surgeon, a lawyer, somebody somewhere sucks at their job, but they still have their job. 
probably somewhere in a fantasy world, there's a paladin who's not a really who's not really good at being a paladin. It's out there. Oh man, I would make that paladin hunt those guys down like like be their major thorn in their side all the time. Maybe he fails all the time, but he's out to get those guys because that he has to. Maybe he has to repent. He did something wrong, and so those guys were on somebody's list, and he's got to bring them to justice. And that's and when he does, he'll be he'll he'll recoup his favor. That could be cool. Yeah, I think that'd be awesome. All right, the last one we've got, I'll go on to the last one here, is Mr. Mo Tusano, the Canadian god of gaming, as we all know, talking about money, money, money. And he said, just got through the money episode, episode 46, for those of you keeping track. Right. And again, start if over. you don't remember, yes. start, at, start at one start at and one. listen forward. Right. It's the best way to get, get all the goodness. <sighs> so one of the things I dislike pretty much about every edition of D&D uh, and pretty much all fantasy RPGs, says Mo, wow. is the way gold changes value throughout the game. And this is interesting. I, th- I think I tried to touch on this, but I like Mo's approach here. At the start of every game, gold counts. So a full set of plate mail is something that your paladin ca- player dreams of eventually being able to afford. You're tracking every copper. Characters are choosing to sleep in the common room instead of getting their own bed for the night. Quest, quest rewards often include gold. Characters are leaving the dungeon loaded with used crap just to resell it in town to make a few extra bucks. You know, buying that dented up hobgoblin plate mail because, hey, I might be able to get 25 gold for it. Um, that, that my little note there on the side. Mogo was on to say, then at some point things change. The players hit this point when they're, where the money doesn't matter anymore. The players have thousands of gold pieces. There's nothing they can't afford. Gold stops being worth anything really. At this point, it's just numbers on a sheet and fantasy spreadsheets. Maybe you're still tracking every copper, but really it doesn't matter. Rewards for quests have gotten ridiculous in their amounts. Treasure hordes have gotten to be massive sizes and for some reason, every goblin now carries a masterwork scimitar. I pretty much prefer games like Brett B's, where money means something. My fantasy game of choice is Warhammer, where you could play through an entire campaign and never see a gold crown and or a magic item. A game where the economy has nothing to do with character level. I like that stuff. I know it's a grittier version of fantasy, but uh, I'm with Mo. That's, that's how I prefer it. Well, and it doesn't have to be like that, and it doesn't have to be run like that. So it's you know, come on, Mo, you gotta. No, I think he's not. He's not saying that it's. I one think of the games, things I dislike about pretty much every edition of D and D. Yes, and well, pretty much all fantasy RPGs is because they when they're laid out like that, that's kind of how it seems the natural way to work it. You have to, as the game master of players, put effort in to stop that from occurring. It seems to have a natural climb is what I think Mo is saying. And I believe I agree with him. Yeah, I, okay. That's fair. But I don't, I don't, here's the, the reason I hesitate and kind of push back on Mo is simply because you don't have to run it that way. You don't, you don't have to do it that way. You don't have to run Pathfinder like, you know, you go and you're first level and you get 100 gold pieces after an encounter. And then when you're fifth level, you're getting 5,000 gold pieces and everybody has masterwork, like you mentioned, masterwork, sword, mm-hmm. swords or weapons or whatever. So, I mean, I don't know. Well, you don't have to play Pathfinder with miniatures and five-inch squares either, and you can do total theater of the mind. You can, a little bit harder. Yeah. So. Oh, I see what you're saying there. You can ignore, you could do a Brett and not use any of the fucking rules. <laughs> But I think I think where Mo's going for isn't a rules thing per se. So I, all joking aside, there I think he's getting on what you're saying, Sean. Is that if you don't like it, change how you're running it. You know, silver standard. You know, to to use my 
my concept or something along those lines where making the gold matter at all levels, whatever your coin of choice is, so that way money has significance. So when you're 10th level paladin or 5th or 8th or 20th level paladin, it's not like, you're like, well, you know, as I joke at work, you know, I'm rich enough, I'm smoking hundreds and lighting them with 50s. You don't want to be that guy. I'm, I'm not that rich, by the way. Just so, anybody, so yes, people don't think. Yes, he is. No, I'm not. I, I know how much Brett makes. Damn it, Sean I'm works just, in HR. Sean works in HR at my office. It's not like he can't find out. Do, 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 do. Oh, look at this. <laughs> anyway, thank you that very much. Son Mr. of a Mo. bitch. I know how much he makes. Hey, um, yeah, that helps when we budget things around here. Just kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. So thanks for writing in, Mo. Yes, yeah. I, I do think, though, you can. You know, I think sometimes when you run games like that, I think as a GM, you should find it a way to uh, make it your your game to st- steal away that stuff. So if you're getting a huge amount of gold, find ways that the, the players have to use it and make it more rare. I think it's I like... I don't a- remember the issue, but there's a Dragon Magazine out there that I have that's... Um- uh, a, a character and, its, and his money can be parted in many ways. Yes. And there's multiple ways to like, hey, you took 50 points, of, everything from a spreadsheet, which is one of the things Mo doesn't want to get into, that tracks how many hit points of damage you took in the last adventure and says, hey, your armor's shot, or you need this repair work, or whatever. So there's there's ways to do it. Yeah. You can get as, you can get as um, minutia financial advisor accountant as you want. But there are ways. Yeah. There's definitely ways to take stuff. And we away may from even you. touch on it in this episode, Brett. We may indeed. Remind me. Remind me to come back. I'll try to. This. to. Remind I'll try me. to. All right. Are we good? I think we're good. Let's hit it. All right, man. Let's do it. And a word from our sponsor. Michael Althauser, a friend of the show and sponsor, is the gamer behind the awesome dice bags available at grayedout.etsy.com. Yeah, I've got four of these awesome bags. These are stand-up bags, dual drawstring, tough as nails. He can do custom work. He's got a ton of things in his shop, custom colors, you name it, he can pull it off for you. Be sure to mention Gaming NBS for a 10% discount when you place your order at the website grayedout, that's G-R-E-Y-E-D-O-U-T dot Etsy dot com. All right. Oh, and so let's get into... The topic. Back to life, back to reality. What is real? How do you define real? If you're talking about what you can feel, what you can smell, and taste, and see, then real is simply electrical signals interpreted by your brain. What is real? How do you define real? If you're talking about what you can feel, what you can smell, taste and see that real is simply electrical signals interpreted by your brain. Me, I don't need this shit. I am reality. It just got real.
This is oh. what happens when you give Sean a mixer. <laughs> yeah, man. So we're talking about you introduce the topic, Brett. I think we're gonna talk about reality. And I think one of the things we need to talk about is really cutting that back. <laughs> oh Lord. Well, I'll I tell mean, you what, anybody anybody can name every clip in that montage. Um, besides Sean, I'll give you twenty of Sean's dollars. Oh man. My hey, my gold's good, man. Your gold is definitely my good. gold is good. Oh, yeah, so man. this is what happens when I give Sean a topic uh, far enough in advance. He's got time to sit at home and play with his mixer all night. We talked about this, and I said, you know, the one thing is we don't have an intro to our topic most of the time. And I thought, and Brett, I, I, Brett's like, all right, man, I'll fix that. So um, one of the reasons I didn't is because I would get the topic later in the week. Well, Brett's like queued up five in a row. So I'm like, okay, I got like two weeks to do three. I got like four weeks to do it one of these intros for a couple of our episodes. So I'm like, I'm, I got, that that started out as like, put me in the club, man. Got, <laughs> got Morpheus over the, the music. Cool. What is real? Nice. I like it. So I want to talk about reality. Sean and I started talking, and this kind of comes from the money episode, talking about that. And again, some of the things that the folks up top said is this concept of, Reality in your games. So there's a number of different posts I've seen on Google Plus back in the bulletin board days, um, chat rooms, all sorts of crap. We're trying to figure out how realistic do you want your game or not. One of the things we joked about on a misdirected Mark episode a while back, the guys were talking about like in- insanity or something, and they brought up Phoenix Command. Phoenix Command is one of those role playing games. It's from the eighties. I've played, and uh, if you look on the Misdirected Mark um, community, I've got a post up there with like the hit chart where you could. I actually, I, I shit you not, I shot a bad guy with like the AR, you know, the AR 15 style rifle, hit him in his left hand, and we tracked the bullet's progress from there through the left cheek, through the right ear, and out, and all the different visceral damage that happened along the way. You shot that a expert, guy? Well, in the game, yeah. Oh. <laughs> My character did. Holy shit, man. <laughs> I didn't, I I didn't a, necessarily shoot a guy. Well, you own an AR-15, so I'm like, damn, dude. My lawyer has my lawyer has advised me to not say that I've ever actually shot a man. Anyway, point is, is that game takes that combat to this incredibly realistic level. And some things like, that this combat isn't real enough. I don't like hit points. I, like, you know, I don't like, oh my god, the critical charts and, and so on. So, Sean, is there a level of... A reality that you think is, I don't. Maybe maybe this is just an open question. I'm not sure, but it seems like every genre has a different level of acceptable reality when it comes to role playing games. Yeah, and we should it, specify maybe not so much reality as much as realism. Thank you. Right, because I know this. I couldn't find songs that said realism in them. Yeah, that's not a good rhymer. That's not. <laughs> that's not. The poets don't have a lot of lot to say about no, that. It's not back to real realism. Yes. Yeah. What is realism? What is real? Um, yeah, good point. So yeah, I do, so going to answer your question, uh, this and we, we didn't really touch on why we're talking about this because one week we brought it up like, hey, what should we talk about? And I said, um, rea- realism in games would be something because you get some folks that are are in a Pathfinder game and you're big and buff and you got like 150 hit points. And if you fall off a 30 or 60 foot tower, you know, you land and you're not a big deal. You take the damage and you're like, 
dust yourself off, no big deal. But if you're first level, splat. First level, maybe splat. But I mean, there are these these things that occur that are like, dude, come on now, you just fell off like a hundred foot castle tower and you just dust yourself off and walk away without a broken bone or a scratch on you. So that's the realism that we talk about. Or that's how Brett, that's how I was like, yeah. Uh, so how does that work? But then again, you're playing a role playing game with dragons and magic, and that's where that's where I elves. kicked in the concept yeah. of where genre matters, right? Because the encumbrance bit. There's a, um, I think it's a Skyrim little. Somebody did a, a video of it. It's it's this big, huge dude charging through the woods with all his gear on him. He stops to pick a flower, and then bam, he falls over because he can't move. Because computer <laughs> games have this thing like, look, you can carry. Excellent on a weight. You take one pound more than that, you're immobile. The flower, you know, the flower did it. The flower did him in. tipped him over. He just <laughs> he's down. That is hilarious. It's a funny little, a funny little cartoon. <laughs> but so encumbrance, right? In so I guess I'm I'm going to end up mixing uh, genres into this quite a bit here because there's no other way for me to do this really. If I'm playing a fantasy game, I tend to hand wave encumbrance unless it's glaringly obvious. People on character sheets will say, hey, I have this, I have this. Like, whoa, 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 dude, you at least have a backpack? Or that's a lot of crap to carry. Yeah, you're right. I wouldn't have 52 different flavors of hammer. Or it's not possible to have 18 long swords on me. Or but, or 10,000 gold pieces. Exactly, exactly. It's going back to Mo here. Yep. See so how, I, you know, I, 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 killed, I killed Smog the Golden, and now I have, you know, hundreds upon hundreds of thousands of coins and gems and various different things. How the fuck do I pick that up and carry it out? So that's when encumbrance becomes something you really want to talk about, at least in, in my experiences. And then the other piece that I, so that's fantasy. I think when you get into your modern and your sci-fi and your horror games, I think those three tend to inject more realism into the games. If you play Call of Cthulhu or a variation on that, that type of horror slash Moderny type setting. If you shoot somebody in Call of Cthulhu, you're fucked. I mean, you, you could be in the hospital for months, depending on what happens to you. Going insane in those games, <clears throat> there's no cure insanity spell. There's nothing that does that. There's only some ways to slowly eke your way back into something. In sci-fi, the sci-fi games I have played, if you if you shoot somebody, <laughs> it's a lot of damage. You can you can die pretty quick because it's a gun. Um, so I think there is this. Um, and when I played um, do, do, do Phoenix Command, for example, um, it was pretty pretty intense. You shoot somebody with a, a you know with an M60, they're probably going to die. A lot of a lot of big bullets come ripping at you. You're going to fall down. And I think that it might be the the flip from swords and sorcery to guns. And maybe that's where <clears throat> well, again the fantasy. And I lump supers in the fantasy world because I'll we'll get to that in a second. But I think when you go to guns slash modern sci-fi, we tend to think. I need more realism in it. Sometimes for me, as we talked about back in a sci-fi episode, God knows when, again, start at one and work your way forward. There's a level of physics and how it works that people want to know about in sci-fi. And when you start delving into how it works on a technical scientific level, it becomes more real. Or at least you want a higher level of realism. But in fantasy and supers, you can fly. How does that work? Uh... Radioactive moth bit me. I am now super moth man. I flutter about. Okay, <laughs> I mean we, we buy that stuff, um, or w- what? What have you in like a supers game? Your your skin is super tough and you deflect bullets. How? I don't know. Whatever. 
you're breaking the laws of physics. And much the same in fantasy. You're casting spells and magic and so forth to break the realism, to break the laws of physics and science and just have it work. You can drink an elixir that knits your flesh back together. That, that's not possible in a horror or modern game. And in sci-fi, you have a scientific explanation as to why. So you try to paint in some realism there. You, got, you have a thoughtful face, Sean. What are you thinking? I'm taking it all in, man. I'm taking it all in. <laughs> nice. But yeah, it's a, well, I think the thing that the thing is, is that you have, it's a balance. It's a, it, it's a balance. Maybe. I don't know. There, and this is going to come into, well, that, I think we're going to get some comments that are going to be like, that's why I like to play this game because blah, you know, Warhammer Fantasy. A lot of people have been talking about that because of how it handles X, Y, and Z. And mm-hmm. I think it probably handles combat, not combat, maybe combat and a few other things a little bit differently than your typical Pathfinder game or your typical D&D game. And well, then, I know in Warhammer First Ed, once you beat through somebody's toughness, you were tearing arms and legs off and blasting through brain stems and stuff. It was all critical charts. Whoa. Yeah. Or brain? Rollmaster used to do that right. too. Rollmaster or Harn, right? I think. Yep. Then you Harn get into hit locations and all that other crap, and then it's like, well, your arm hurts, and you can't use your right arm, and then how's <clears> it, you know all this stuff. Now with those, uh, those you know they may be crunchier. So then, how do you know handle that? So it's kind of uh, fast and like fast and loose is going to be different than crunchy. So you start getting into well, how do you want your game? Do you want it like kind of realistic? Or there's a cost. There's a cost right. for realism, and the cost for realism, usually in my mind, comes down to where people really want to deal with realism is fighting. What I've seen, yeah. they want to deal with realistic combat. Well, I cast lightning bolt and hit the guy. And he's wearing full plate mail. How come it doesn't do more damage to him than somebody who's wearing, you know, leather? Or people try to blend physics in. Or well, I got hit. Why well, went? I tried to shoot him in the eye. How come he doesn't have? shooting with one eye, you know, injury or something, the called shot concept or God, he's, he's got a hundred hit points. I just did 90 points. You're telling me he's just as active now with only 10 hit points left as he was with a hundred. Well, yeah, it's D and D. That's how it works. Right. So I think that D and D to me is the classic kind of playing it loose. You have X number of hit points. You're just as active at full as you are at one left. There's no real variation on that theme. It's supposed to measure kind of like you ducking and dodging and doing this. Exactly. And that. It's not just how much you're bleeding. Right. It's a full package of various different ways that you're staying alive. But even at one hit point. Yeah, you're, you're still really, you're, really good. You're still not tired. There, <laughs> is, still not. there is no condition track, right? No, there's not a condition track on it. And other games that have condition tracks. Um, White Wolf will have after X amount of damage takes dice off your pool. You only have fewer dice when you have X amount of aggravated or so much of this other damage. It subtracts dice off when you're ticking off little boxes on your tr- on your character sheet. There's a damage track. You got to pay attention to it. Star Wars <laughs> Saga Saga Edition. Same thing. Yeah. So anyway, where I'm getting at is there's a price for it. So if I say, look, I want to play really gritty, super realistic fantasy. Do I grab a GURPS game? Ooh. And the GURP system, Ooh. <clears throat> where it's really very, it's well known for its crunch or roll master because of the hit locations. And again, the, the price to pay for it to me is it slows it down. And 
for me, the sweet spot is I need my combat to be fast. And Savage Worlds is not going to provide you with an incredibly realism, excuse me, realism, incredibly realistic combat experience. Granted, you've got exploding dice and various other things that can happen, but it's not crunchy enough, in my opinion, to be the game that's the most realistic in combat. And that's not its its job. It's not built for that. It's built for fast and furious, pulpy pulpy kind of play. And you get a game like Fate, the more I read about Fate. Fate's not geared towards that. That's not what it's about. Fate's about <clears throat> kind of as uh, Sneez- Chris Nizak said, it's kind of like an, a, a writer's table type of game where you're, you're talking and um, it's more about, it's not about combat as much as it is about different choices and social interactions and so forth. But even that, depending how much realism you want to layer on top of things, it can get cumbersome as all hell. So I think that you've got to find you've got to find a sweet spot for it, and in my opinion, part of this, and we've talked about this many times, is communication, communication, communication. Is if you tell people, "Look, I'm going to run a D and D game, and I want to be hyper realistic or a lot of realism involved," that's a good opener to tell to tell somebody. If Sean says, "Look, I'm going to play D and D five E, but I really want to be more realistic. I really want to make sure we track." stuff and make sure that there's a heavy dose of realism. I'm going to ask Sean, what does that mean to you? Do you you're talking about every coin, you know, one coin is a tenth of a pound or something? What are we talking about here? So I think it's a good uh, opener as a game master or even as a player to say, look, I, I like my games to have more realism to it. That's why I don't like D&D or I, I don't like this other system because it's too loosey-goosey with that. I really like Call of Cthulhu because it feels more real to me. Sean, what does that make you? What, all right, I've rambled a bit there. What do you? What does this make you think of? Well, I've got buddy. I got guys that don't want to play real. They, they won't play modern because it's too real. It's too real. I want to. I want to escape. Are you drinking Bartles and James over there? What the hell is that fruity tooty <clears throat> stuff? Just a couple of them taking the edge off. Red. What the? It's the. Uh, what the hell is that crap? The Jack Daniels red. No, it's Mike's. Yeah, it's Mike's. Mike's red hard lemonade, the raspberry kind or whatever. There you go. Wow, that's pretty good. That's yeah. that, that's across oh. the net me hiding it in the shadows. He's, I, he's I used to order those for women all the time, man. Of course I can recognize them. <laughs> nice, nice, <laughs> nice, nice. Uh, so back to the topic at hand, Brad. They're, they're tasty, by the way. Well, I'm sure. Anyway, yeah. so you got guys that don't like it, and they like to play fantasy because they don't like the reality or the realism of modern. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Yeah, they don't want to. Yeah, which is fine, whatever. But I think that do they get do they get into encumbrance though? Do they mm, care that their fights are nah. crazy loose? We do, a lot of the a lot of the groups that I play and never get into that stuff. Now with you guys on Wednesday, I may you know you get all this crap. Okay, great. You're really, really, really tired because you're, you're lugging this around. You're lugging all this crap around, and guess what? Everything's going to be a disadvantage if it's physical. Great. That's going to make you guys be like, shit, man, I got to shed some of this crap. Maybe. Or not. (laughs) And that's fine. See, I think also when you start getting into this stuff and you try to resolve it within the confines of the actual game. System versus narrative are you talking about or both? No, like actually, like if I were to sit here and go, hey, Brad, here in my game, if you're going to carry over a thousand gold pieces, this is what's going to happen. Okay versus, all right, we just get, how much gold did we find? Th- uh, 5,000 gold pieces, making it up. Great. Everybody gets 1,000 apiece. Awesome. 
So how the hell are you carrying that? Just want to ask, just want to ask, is everybody carrying their thousand gold and where are you going to put it? Just curious. And you go, well, I got a, I got a big sack here. It'll fit a thousand. No problem. Okay, fine. Great. And <laughs> yeah, because you walk down the city. So street. great. You're walking through the woods with a sack of a thousand gold pieces and your armor and your weapon and your crossbow and everything else that you've come across. And that guy that you picked up, you know, that dead guy that you picked up a mile back. Um, now I hate encumbrance because then it can get into this nitpicky, like, are you over encumbered? Oh, I got a half a pound and my encumbrance goes up to, I can carry up to 300 and one thing, like you said, you pick up a flower and it puts you over. But at the same time, I think you have to realistically, right? You're not going to carry everything under God's green earth and still expect that it's okay. So I think in game as a GM, I would say, okay, great. After like a half mile down the road, you are really, really sore. You're tired. You feel more tired than usual. And you're sore because you've got this sack of gold that you've been carrying. You don't have a horse. You don't have a mule. You don't have a cart. And you're like, oh, so, you know, you can go another mile, but you're really going to ask for it. You go if you f- want to make sure that that has impact, then you you utilize the system. Right. The mechanics of the system yep. to even if the system itself doesn't allow for it, you yeah. know something as off the cuff as like you just said, you guys are gonna have a disadvantage, which in D and D five e is your old two twenties and take the worst. Yep, you're gonna have that until you've got a full eight hour until you do a long rest. There's two types of rest in there, by do the way. Do a long rest, and then maybe you could start out again, but again halfway through or halfway down the road, yep. and you're still carrying the shit. It's not gonna get lighter. Well, actually, it might. Maybe you'll get used to it. Maybe you could travel. You know, another extra mile before stuff hits you and gets to be tiresome. But I think you there can was, handle it in the game other than, oh, no, you guys can't do that shit. That's, that's no, bullshit. you're too tired. You're too yeah, tired. You carry that. No, that's not possible. Yeah, no. yeah it's not going to work. So that's the that's the yes and or yes instead of yes budding or the flat no. It's that's a different right. it's a different approach where you where they want to do something. Yeah, you guys can rig up a sled made of beat up orc shields and so on to carry the ten thousand gold pieces and five thousand copper. You can totally do that because you got to drop the copper off at Vecchione's place because Phil's big into copper. So you got to drag that by his character's place, I which it. is cool when you adventure with Phil because he takes all the copper and then you get all the gold, electrum, and, and gems and stuff, which is really cool. That's why I like playing with Phil. That's awesome. It's good. He's a good guy that way. Anyway, <clears throat> so instead of and the other component of it, then where am I going? So. You've got a rules perspective. Yep. If the rule, if there's a rule for encumbrance, or you want to invoke something that says, "Look, I'm going to give you off the cuff," I'm going to say minus two on every roll you have, every physical roll, and minus one off all your mental rolls because you're exhausted, or minus whatever, or some penalty. <clears throat> you can do that. The other ways that I have used to kind of invoke a certain level of realism or reality of the world is when I have, and this I found. Um, it's happened to me a lot in high school, a little bit through college, and even with people I've played with. Not real recently, Sean, because I, I, you, you've not done this. But you'll be playing with somebody, and they're like, "Look, in this world, you read the you read the you read the blurb. Like in Brett's Avalon world, uh, silver standard. Unless you're rich, you can't just walk through the city, the massive city of Avalon, wearing plate mail and a long sword on your back. You can't." Carry guns. You can't, you can't, you can't, can't. The what? rules, the social, the what? social rules, right? Wait a minute now. <clears throat> so what happens then is that the characters do it anyway. 
And if I, as game master, you say, look, these are the laws of the land, and everyone goes, okay, cool, I get it. You Okay, hold on, time out. So as a GM, you are telling them this, or you're outlining this as kind outlining, of like- out, Outlining the, the environment. The societal norm. Exactly, okay. societal norm. Right. It's not me saying, no, you don't get Okay, I gotcha. It's me saying, look, you do this, you're going to get in trouble, or you might the city watch, the Griffins could come and hassle you. Understandable. So you give them the warning. If you never do that- I'll put my dad hat on for a minute, right? It's like if you threaten your child with something you're never going to follow through on, they're going to find out the first time they push the button that you're full of shit. And it's not going to work. So to go back to the money episode, again, go find it, 46-ish. Um, I talked about my buddy Lenny buying a gun or selling a gun. So he ends up with all this gold. He goes, shit, what am I going to do with this? I his, can't walk through the streets of Avalon. Hold on, hold with, on. His <clears throat> character. His character. Not, not Lenny. No. We don't want anybody showing up at Lenny's doorstep because he's, you know, (laughs) selling a gun, loading it, and shooting people with it. Yeah, he wouldn't do that. Yeah, maybe we Um, shouldn't. (laughs) Anyway, so his character, uh, Newt, I'll go by that. So Newt sells this gun. He's got all this gold. I look at him. I'm like, dude, you have all this gold. He's like, shit, I can't wander through streets of Avalon with this. I got to stash it. What are you doing? All right, I'm going to go back alley, sneak, sneak, sneak. Shit, don't go back alley. Roof walks. No, crap. I'll go run. Okay, I'm going to rent a carriage with some of my gold. God, this sucks. I'm going to spend money to go home as fast as I can, stash it in my secret place in the house, you know, under the floorboards, wherever, and figure out a way to start breaking this gold coin down as something I can actually use every day. <clears throat> because I was invoking the fact that I said gold is rare. It's not easy to spend. You're carrying lots of it. You chink, 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 chink down the streets of Avalon. Really? That's what you want to do through the dock ward where all the thieves are? Oh, fuck. I don't want to do that. So, again, walking through the city and your weapon's not peace knotted. You have <clears> – <throat> you're wearing plate mail and you're covered in blood because you just got back from something. And, the, and if the watch never bothers you, if no one acts differently because your guy is a dragonborn and you've outlined the fact that dragonborn are evil in this city – or people from Alpha Centauri <clears throat> I look down on on this on this site, on this planet, or the Dralocytes and the Vrust don't get along. If you don't invoke that, if you don't make that happen, then that level of realism doesn't exist. So even if we take some of the tactical combat encumbrance stuff out, I'm just talk about making the world itself real, when you throw out a sexy tidbit that, hey, this is how the societal norms are, Ooh, that sounds cool. Yeah, I kind of want to play in that. It sounds gritty. It sounds really cool. It sounds high fantasy. And then you get in there and you're like, this is like every other game of d and I've ever played. There was blah, blah, blah. Nobody likes it when you do this. Half-orcs are looked down upon in this world. But my half-orc has walked through town boldly in his blood-soaked wolven, you know, wolf-hide armor up to the king and spoken to him and said, fuck off, king. And nothing happened. <laughs> you know, then I feel, then it's like back when I was in high school. Playing D and D. Ooh, I got off on a rant again there. God damn! Yes, you gotta stop me now. You gotta stop me. Throw a flag on me, man. Do something. (laughs) Flag on the field. Flag on the field. Blazinski's going crazy. Yeah, it's a trade off. Yeah, it's a trade off. So, Sean, if if I'm if you're playing in my game as a player, I'll behave. do you, well, now, now you behave because, goddammit, I'm going to make you. Um, but do you want, I guess, what level of realism are you looking for? Are you looking for the Game Master to make sure that 
the the fights are the most realistic possible or does that not matter are you more interested in the world being real versus some of the tactical components um yeah the combat is a tough one because i think if you're playing a particular system if you it's hard to enforce realism uh or yeah realism into a in a combat situation if the system doesn't facilitate it really well so agreed D and D Pathfinder, you know, if you're just kind of like roll for initiative, roll to hit, roll for damage, and you take massive damage, and it doesn't affect the character other than wow, I'm really hurt. I could use some healing. Then I I don't I don't. It's hard to make that real. Like you you know if you're playing Harn or Rollmaster or whatever, and you're like okay. You take it, or GURPS for that matter. You take well, Dungeon a, Crawl Classics, crit damage. Yeah, you could take, yeah, crit damage. Well, yeah, criticals, uh, yeah, critical hits. When you yep. run the crit table, yeah, uh, roll on this. And if you roll really poorly, you know, you slice off your own hand. Yep, you fumble. Yeah, yeah, fumble, right. Fumble. My favorite fumbles point. from Rollmaster was your fall turns into a dive, you crush your skull and die. <laughs> Yeah. So I get that I got that flipped because if somebody's playing DCC, they're gonna really want to jump on me. So DCC, if you crit hit, yes, it'll be like roll. You roll really high, you decapitate your foe. Roll right. an extra blah 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 damage, and the head rolls across the floor. Whatever. Um, if it's a fumble, you could you know quite literally hit another character, and then they do damage. Still, at the same time, there is still kind of a well. There's the flavor text, and then there's what happens. So the flavor text is um, you rolled a critical hit. The flavor text is you stab the person straight into the chest, um, and your weapon is stuck in their body. You roll an additional 2D whatever damage, which is fine, but you're still rolling 2D whatever damage, and if they live, they live, even though you've got your sword sticking into their physically in their chest. So I think there's like this weird dynamic in some systems where it's like, well, it's hard to get realist. I think you can narrate and I think you can portray. Um, so if there, say, for example, in D&D, you guys threw a, go through a combat and it's really well done to the point of kind of like a balanced thing, I say. And maybe you guys get really waxed. So maybe two guys go down and three guys are like below five hit points. So literally... If they got hit by the big bad, you know, all three of them, your whole party would be TPK. You kill the bad guy, then you assess your damage. You get the cleric out, boosting around everything and healing everything. Uh, you can, as a GM, say, okay, here's the deal. You guys are really wiped. You're tired. You have mortal wounds on yourself. You're bleeding out. Now it's patched. Uh, there's there's a chance of infection. So I think you can narrate it, but at the same time, it's still not the same because you're just going to be like, Oh, okay. I got one hit point. I'm good, and I'll just walk another ten miles. So it's really hard to facilitate that. I don't. If know. the system, if the system isn't as detailed as you want your damage to be, it can be a challenge. Yes, that's what you're saying. Yeah, I honestly think between so the examples that I've got basically are, and there's other ways to go about this, but it's the tactical carrying stuff, the physics of the world versus the social aspects of the world kind of how people interact with each other. Do dwarves and elves get along? Yes or no? Mm-hmm. Do halflings have this attitude? Do, does no one like um, everyone loves half orcs in this town because of how they save the village and they can't stand elves because the bastards didn't help them. If you don't invoke that 
or you walk through town in bloody plate mail and your short sword always in your hand ready for a fight and the city watch doesn't bother you even though the game master said they should you know there's a level of reality and realism there that takes the game <clears throat> from a living breathing world into just a world of warcraft game in my opinion yeah i think one thing i think that popped into my brain thinking this through is do you want to do you want to role play? Do you want to play a game? And I'll just specifically to fantasy here. Do you want to play a fantasy game that reenacts the Crusades and medieval Earth, or excuse me, or do you want to play a game that is the same as um, Excalibur, the movie, or Lord of the Rings? Or, you know, some of those. So what is it that you're trying, what what do you really want to get out of your fantasy game? Um, what are you it, looking to emulate? What are you trying to, what are you trying what to are you copy? What are you trying to emulate? What are you trying to copy, right? Because if it's the Crusades, I mean, there is, I mean, we live in a modern day. There's no magic. Now you can make it mystical and mysterious and still maybe incorporate it so it's gritty and low magic and uh, it's serious business, and it's real more realistic than maybe the other games. And then we get into the Lord of the Rings. Um, you know, there's no, like the Crusades. There's no foreign, you know, creatures. There's no elves or dwarves or anything like that. And then you get into Lord of the Rings, or you get into Morcock or whatever Elric, and you know some of those games. What do you want to try to kind of emulate? And how does that handle? Death, like even just you know, Fawford and the Gray Mauser, right? How some of those games, the black, yeah, there's company. not a lot, yeah, there's not a lot of magic items, musketeers, or magic. right? Yep, so I mean, you know, do you want to have orcs and do are they allowed to be like common? And if they're common, do they get to walk into the king's court and tell them to, to piss off? And nobody's like, what, who's this freaking, what is this thing walking yeah. into our place? And then he talks and he's like an alien. Um, now it's kind of like the norm. So I think if you determine that, it goes into a lot of what we're talking about. I think with combat, one of the things that, so from a setting perspective, to add realism to your setting, I think we've talked about that a number of different times when it comes to the ecology stuff we talked about just a bit ago um, with ecologies on that episode. The idea is to try to make the world a living, breathing place. And I would say, <laughs> like I said, as a, from a, a parent or a manager or anything like that, if you've ever had to say, look, here's a warning or here's how it's done here, here's how you work in the space or here's what you do or whatever it is, don't, as a game master, tell the players the rules of the road for this setting and not utilize them. And players, my advice would be, if the game master tells you the rules of the road for the setting and how it's supposed to operate and you get the feeling like you're getting away with something... Don't be afraid to speak up and say, Sean, Brett, are, you know, Brett, are you sure? Because I thought you said the the city guard, the Griffins, would arrest me. And I thought you said that if I was at, at Pentex Corp and I wasn't wearing an Armani suit, I'd never even get through the door. How did I come in and BDUs? This doesn't make any sense. Oh, shit, you're right. Okay, you know, or what What do we have to do? How can we? Re- do we need to rewind that? Did, was or, a mistake made? Or was there a mistake made? <clears throat> exactly. <gasps> Oh, Wait a minute! I was I should have got arrested, but I didn't. What the hell's going on? Yes. So my advice to players is that when the game master slips, because we're going to make mistakes, we're balancing a thousand different things. Whoa, 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 whoa! Wait a minute. Well, 
Sean makes mistakes. I'm just I'm trying to, when you play with Sean and he makes it's a mistake, I, just don't make him feel bad. That's what I'm saying. Hypothetical, isn't it? Come on. Hypothetical. <laughs> so for less than divine for, for two seconds. Um, but anyway, as a player, I think one of the things to keep track of is can I – does this make sense within the social – you've been given the rules, play by them within that piece. Or know that I'm acting outside of it and don't be afraid to bring it up. Sometimes somebody slips or something happens. It's a good thing to do. Now, with combat and non-detailed games, when you have hit points, um, even in Call of Cthulhu, as dangerous as it is to get shot, you still have health. You still, you know, you got knifed, you got punched, or whatever it is. It takes you out to heal, but you still have a, a certain amount of damage. Yeah, you could bleed and other things, but <clears throat> until you're like down or really hurt or something, it doesn't always matter. Now. Earlier today, I stubbed my my little toe walking into my kid's bedroom, and like, God damn it, it hurts! And you're just, you know, you're like, dang it, ow, 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 ow! You don't want to get that level of realism all the time, right? Yes, thank you. That level of realism from a combat damage perspective is a bit much. However, I I can't remember where I've read this before, and I've tried to do it with my D and D or my softer damage systems, even if I don't have a a rules mechanic that I can invoke is to give some narrative to the damage. If you do a lot of damage, using a 5e example for D&D, I would say, you know what, you hit him, you did 25 points of damage. I look at the at the bad guy, and I'm like, holy shit, that's almost half his life. That's a quarter of it. Wow, you stag- he staggered back. He just, he's like holding his head. I'm going to give him disadvantage on the next attack roll because he's just, he's just bam, just hit. Come at the player character's. Um, a hail of arrows from the hobgoblins. One of the guys just bad, bad random roll. He just gets riddled. Twenty arrows hit him. He takes a shit ton of damage. I'm like, dude, until you pull, until you pull some arrows out or do something, you're just it's not happening for you. You're out, or you've got it, or you're gonna be at a big minus. Um, but and, and, I don't know, so, so not even using the, the minuses though, but just explaining what it looks like. Oftentimes, and players will take that and say, wow, I, everything hit me in the left side. I bet that arm is weak. I'm going to drop my shield because it's too heavy. Or utilizing using those words saying, he hits you smack. He crushes your shield, dents it badly. It almost folds in half. It's still serviceable, but it's really beat up. Then at the end of combat, you you know have him chuck the shield. Then you can make him go spend some of that hard-earned gold and buy a new shield. <clears throat> but I think you have to be careful because if you don't have a critical hit system, and it's always easy to hit the bad guys with narrative criticals, right? Where I say, oh, you, you stagger him or you hit the dragon and blow his kneecap out or you groin shot the giant with that hit and he's, oh, he drops down and you're able to get a bonus on your hit. <clears throat> but when you drive it to the players, it can be tricky. Yeah, right? that's, that's, why GM, but that's why GMs have to pull shit out of their ass because it's stacked against them. It is sometimes. Right. But what's good for the goose is good for the ganders. They say, so if I have done that to my frost giant, I will do it back to the player. That's right. Where if you get hit, I might say, boom, you're down. That hit knocks you prone. Make a save. Make a, you know, old school, I'd say make a paralyzation save. Otherwise, you're knocked prone. Shit, I'm on my back. Good. Next round, take you a while to get back up. If I don't want to use the mechanic, I'm describing, bang, you're woozy, you're spinning. What do you want to do? Describe the blood running down his eyes, description, 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 narrative, narrative, narrative. And sometimes players, I've had had them, especially when I've run for high schoolers the last couple of years, when I get narrative like that, like, I back out of combat, I'm scared. 
I've had fighters flee the front line and push the mage up front going, you have more hit points than me. And someone in the group is like, don't you have 20 hit points left? Like, I don't care. Did you, did you hear what he just said happened to me? I don't want that to happen again. So I think even if you don't do a mechanic thing, and I keep drifting back to mechanic because it's, it's kind of natural, but even if you just expound on what happened, you can add a level of realism to the fight. M- much, much like um, encumbrance, right? Where you say, look, you've got, you're carrying stuff. I get it. I'm not going to look through your character sheet and check how many 50 feet lengths of rope you have. And if it's silk or hemp, I really don't care. But when you find a large barrel of wine or some, the Ark of the Covenant or whatever it is you find, it's this big unwieldy thing. We're going to have a going to need a deuce and a half for that thing. <laughs> yeah. How are you going to pick that up? You know, I think it, I think you can do a similar thing there. The one piece that I used to get in my craw quite a bit was when someone would grasp some kind of concept around how physics works, like lightning specifically. Oh, yeah. Like I cast shocking grasp and I have a short sword, so I get to do short sword and shocking grasp damage because it's all electrify my sword that way. And people would tear through the magic rules to try to find a way, unless it specifically said something in a spell, to try to meld real-world physics and magic. So my answer to that is always, magic doesn't work like that. In a, in a, in a regular D&D game, I'm like, look, it doesn't, it doesn't function like that. Well, I'll explain yeah. this up front. Magic is magic. Physics is physics. Well, magic maybe, breaks the laws of physics. Maybe when you're adventuring, you don't know that stuff because it's like, I don't know, the Dark Ages? <laughs> that's the other, that's the other <laughs> way I've gone. I'm like, really? You're telling me that your barbarian, your half-orc barbarian, who's been right. fighting trolls with his dad ever since he was two, understands physics. Really? Yeah. Really? Yeah. What, what university did he graduate? Particle uh, manipulation figure? doesn't work like that, Brett. My barbarian would know that if it was with a static char- positive charge. Exactly. Yeah, that's not going to work. This kid's got a PhD from Stanford. That's why he's got that. You got to play dumb if you're too smart for the game. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, PhDs. So there's... There's a weird piece now when you talk some of the genres you talked about. I, I still think so. Let's talk modern for a second. I think when we get modern or sci-fi, and I'm going to lump horror in with modern sci-fi horror, those groups, we tend to want to be more realistic, a little bit more realism. I think it's because even in a game like Nice Black Agents, which is a little loose around hit points, you can still die really freaking quick in a gumshoe game. But there's vampires in Nice Black Agents, so there's some reality realism that's not necessarily there because there's no such thing as vampires but or are there anyhow i think then people lean more towards when they say realism they want it not necessarily even combat because i think combat we want to be able to do really cool heroic stuff but we still it's more of the the world the setting realism that sometimes that sometimes grabs us maybe i I would agree i would agree with that yeah, I would agree. I know what you're getting at. It's like wanting to be cool Jason Bourne or James Bond, but they don't exist. Yeah, there's not, at least to my knowledge, I've met guys. They're, guys were, you know, I've met Special Forces men and women. They're they're nice people. They're not they're like- They're still not going to take 10 guys at once in hand-to-hand. Yeah, they're not uber ninjas. I've met men and women who are eighth-degree black belts in various different martial arts in the in, in uh, tournaments and seminars I've been to. They're amazing people. And they're also like, oh, look, dude, that's a gun. I'm not like going to ninja your gun out of your hand. I'll give you my wallet because I don't want to get fucking shot. It hurts, you know. <laughs> it just, it doesn't. 
So there's still a level of dodge bullets. Yeah, they can't do that yet. You're telling me I'll be able to dodge bullets? (laughs) I'm telling that you won't even need to. Sweet. (laughs) But there's a certain level of realism you're not gonna you're still not gonna get to. But I think the um I think the coolest part is not only invoking the feel of the world around you, if you take that piece, when he gets to physics, combat, encumbrance, how the car handles, um, you know, what's that, how planes, how far can a plane fly, um, you know, African all swallow. that type of thing. African yeah. swallows, you know, laden or unladen, what's the average airspeed? <laughs> right. If you grip it by the husk, <laughs> um, whatever the case is, there's, there's a certain amount of narrative you could get away with. And I guess... Without knowing what system you're ta- what what system we're talking about here specifically, you have to if you study the game system, you know that you know your mechanics well enough, you can choose the right level of narrative and then where necessary invoke a mechanical penalty or an advantage. So I'm just going to use disadvantage or advantage without necessarily using the five e um, mechanic term by either penalizing somebody or giving them a bonus, perhaps is a better phrase, to doing something that's genre specific or emulate or emulates the reality level that you're gunning for. So in modern games, when I've had people get in combat, they're like, look, I want to I want to <clears throat> grapple him. I want to do, which <laughs> grapple is perhaps a whole other segment, but you want to be able to, I want to sweep his legs, push him off a thing. You've got games that don't necessarily have special moves or feats where you knock people over, or I just want to push him out of the way or keep him busy. I want to faint. I want to fight but not fight. There's ways that you can, again, use your narrative and perhaps a couple different uh, mechanical components to really invoke that and make it happen. And you got to study up on it and find out what the core mechanic for your system is and then kind of throw that in there. You know, is it D20 rolls all the time, checking against different saves? Great. Is it percentiles against statistics? Great. Do that thing. There you have it, ladies and gentlemen. If you incorporate realism in your game, Maybe you don't. How do you do it? Hey, misdirected Mark. What do you how think? Real do you, yeah, yeah. How real do you guys like it? Yeah. Is it real? <laughs> Are you real? So, Sean, before we, before we completely drop off of this and get into die roll here, do you, is there a certain level of realism that you prefer? You know, do you I like we, the D&D spot or where you at? Uh, D&D is my go-to for fantasy, but I think I would like it to be a little bit more realistic, but I guess it depends. I mean, uh, I'm so wishy-damn-washy. I think that uh, I would like a little bit of a grittier, lower magic, because I think magic system also plays a key. So if you tone down the magic, you can get a grittier, more realistic, mysterious mystery, right? Yes. Where if it's high magic, it's like, you know, people are lighting lanterns with like magic. Like they just come on because it's a, because at that point, then magic takes the place of technology. And that's, I like Eberron. Eberron's a cool setting for D&D, but it's not, it's not like that. It can be, I guess, yeah. at some point, parts of it. Like if you go and venture out, like there's, you know, a mystery. So I think I like it a little bit on the grittier end um so doc's campaign that i'm playing in magic hasn't been around for hundreds of years i'm playing a wizard when i freaking do shit people are like whoa that's crazy they're they're reacting to you yeah cool yeah 
to some extent, there's a little kind of hand wavy stuff. Like after a couple encounters, then it's not a big deal, but it depends on who I'm in front of. Like the first time I launch a fireball, you know, people are like, holy shit. Anyways. I think yeah. I do. I'm, I'm kind of in the vein of, I like it a little more realistic and regardless of the system, I utilize the setting more to enforce it either through limitations of it's lower magic not as many magic swords, or I drop the tech level down so I don't go quite, I don't go transhuman for my sci fi. I go a little grittier. I don't necessarily have sometimes faster than light, not necessarily. Even with supers, I kind of like a Batman level of super more than I like Superman. You know, I like um, Wolverine versus, uh, you know, Wolverine, Spider Man are kind of cool, but I don't like to go too much bigger than that. Galactus. <clears throat> Galactus, too much. You know, Silver Surfer, too big. I think it's a it's a sweet spot, and it really helps if you're saying, "Look, I'm gonna." This is where I think it's imperative, either as a player or as a, or as a game master, whatever the world is, to really say, "Look, this is what I want out of it." Kind of like you did for our last game. What do you want out of this world? How do you want to play it? And that's um, that's something that I think, from a communication perspective, it's worth it's worth talking about. Again, to me, it's easier to invoke the reality levels, regardless of the system, through the narrative of the world, because that enforces how the player should act. And what they should expect. So I think that's easier than dicking around arguing over whether one gold piece is one gold piece too many to carry. Or whether hit points are, whether we need to have critical hit charts or if I can just use my hit points. You know, if I want a fast combat, I'm willing to hand wave that. But I want my reality, my realism in my world. I think that that's where it fits for me better. All right. There you go. There you have it. Let's get into die roll. Die roll. This is where we talk about two to four miscellaneous points of gaming geekery we want to share with you, the listener. Brett has two. I have three. Brett? Yes. There is, um, I'm assuming people out there have seen this, um, there is another D&D movie coming. Apparently there's been another D&D movie officially announced. It's out there. I've got a link in the show notes. It can't be much worse. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of, yeah. I don't it's know, man. Thing, this is the way I look. Thing where everybody goes, oh, that's neat. Here's the but thing. As, yeah, I, say it. Here's the thing with the D&D movie. I just, how are you going to incorporate D&D into a movie? We, okay, here's here's the thing I have with the D&D movie. This, I'm just going to put this out there. We, some of us, have been playing D&D since we've been 13 years old. We have done the Monty Hall thing and not know the rules, and we've made up cool stories and to the point where we're playing it 30 years later. Even 40 years later, 50 years later, some of those guys. Yep. How is a D&D movie going to deliver? Watch The Lord of the Rings, man. There's your D&D movie. Well, how hard was it for people to get even Tolkien fanatics? I mean, it, it couldn't deliver to everybody. Well, right. And how, how is it going to, you know, which which section of, don't even take gamers in general, just yeah. which section of the D&D group? Is it going to grab the OSR guys? Is it going to grab the new guys? The second edition guys? Where is it going to land, you know? As far as I'm concerned, they effed it up with the first couple, or I don't know, I think they did two or three, I don't know, two movies at least. Three. 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 I, don't, I don't know. Just, I mean, there's plenty of kind of B movies out there. I think it's going to end up be, I don't know. I would be highly shocked that if it's outside of B, a B movie type straight to DVD. I don't. I don't know, man. Watch Game of Thrones. Watch Lord of the Rings. Watch. Uh, There's already stuff out there. Yeah, 
I don't understand how they're going to incorporate it. Maybe if they did a D and D movie about a like a group of players that were pl- like actual an actual portrayal of realistic gamer guys or gals, fly. and then <laughs> incorporate kind of the the deal around it. I don't know. I I just I don't know, man. I don't, I don't either. I don't know. I don't know. Good luck, Warner Brothers. <sighs> the other one is. This one's near and dear to my heart. I love my Delta Green. The new Delta Green RPG is coming to Kickstarter in September. I'm pretty picky about my Kickstarters, as I bitched about and moaned about before. I think, though, I may get in on this one. Delta Green by um, Arc Dream Publishing. It's got all the right people writing on it. All the right people want to make this thing happen. Uh, I'm probably going to have to get in it on it to at least do what Phil Vecchio would do and buy the goddamn hardcover. So Delta Green RPG coming to Kickstarter in September. No doubt I'll talk about it again and put a link in the old show notes once that's real. I got one in there now talking about it. But once the Kickstarter hits, we'll, uh, if you haven't heard it from anywhere else, I'm sure I'll be bringing it up. All right, Sean, your turn. So going back to the announcements section where I had mentioned an apology to um, – why is my stuff? Oh, I see you're in the way. Never mind. Let me move you out of the way. So to Ben, Aww. Ben Blanding and uh, and Philip Cole or Nathan Philip Cole, I believe is his full name. We were talking about Moto Bushido. Which Moto is, Bushido, Moto, explain. Moto Bushido is the newest offering from a alliterated uh, alliterated games, featuring the art of the talented Rick Marks. Combined with a fresh new approach to dueling mechanics, it is a tabletop role-playing game about brotherhood, sacrifice, and death, all part of the motorcycle samurai lifestyle. In this game, you and a group of your friends play a pack of motorcycle-riding samurai in the years after a great war ravaged the land, a war that your side lost. All right. Brett, you still there? I'm totally here. All right, man. Let's uh, keep on rolling. So, uh, star number two, Star Trek Cruise to launch uh, to launch in 2017. It's what? the very first officially licensed Star Trek cruise that will offer fans six days and six nights of unique experiences. Interesting. Wow. Including dramatic per- hollow deck. Hey yo, including dramatic performances, comedy shows, and concerts. According to the press, the cruise will be hosted by the one and only William Shatner and also include other Star Trek actors such as Jonathan Frakes, Marina Sirtis, Robert Picardo, John Delancey, James Darren, and Denise Crosby. Oh, cool. So if you're a Trek nerd and you want to get your Trek on and a cruise... You like knock out two things at once. Boom, done and done. Number three, Extra Life. Extra Life Tabletop, starting on Friday, October 2nd, and lasting until Sunday, October 4th, Extra Life is holding its inaugural Extra Life Tabletop Appreciation Weekend with the support of tabletop communities across the globe. With just over one month until the official Extra Life game day, which is November 7th, which I'm going to ping Alex on Gamehole and see if he's aware of that because that's when Gamehole is. We'll be encouraging the Extra Life community to get out and play their favorite tabletop games for the kids at their local Children's Miracle Network Hospital. 
It's going to be a special weekend highlighting the relentless, life-saving support of the Tabletop community, complete with special announcements and Tabletop-themed incentives for you to unlock. If you are heading this up and are a listener of Gaming and BS, please let us know and provide a link to your donation page, and we'll post it in our show notes. Um, Absolutely. In our different channels. So I know Mo is doing it. Um, I think there is a few others that uh, we are, well, I think I'm a, connected to via Google Plus. I don't know if they listen to gaming and BS, but I know there's a few gamers that partake in this event. So basically it's gaming for charity, folks. So if you're going to do it in your area and you want us to plug it, let us know. Absolutely. Brett and I, we should do something about it. Um, It's kind of on my list of things to do. Like, hey, what? So Brett probably doesn't know this. So I have a Patreon account that is underway and I'm kind of been futzing with it and then I, I didn't futz with it for a while and I got back to it and I've been meaning to get Brett in a room to record a video to say hey hey we've got a Patreon one of the things that I want to do in the Patreon is if we start earning enough money through the podcast through the donations through Patreon and if you're not familiar with Patreon basically it's kind of like hey I'm going to pay these guys a buck per episode or five bucks per episode and every time we deliver we get that $5. So one of the things is you kind of have these different levels. And if you hit this level, this happens. And if you hit this level, this happens. And then you have a couple goals. So like we could go do a, uh, do the whole on, excuse me, uh, philanthropic thing here and give children's miracle network a bit. Right. So one, one of the things I wanted to do was to, um, one, take care of our costs, like hosting and web hosting, and then maybe upgrade some of our equipment. Well, once our equipment's in place, we really may, maybe don't need any more. And then once we start making like more, then what I want to do is give back to the gaming community. So how, how do we do that in, in a way? So maybe we buy swag and we give it away as, as contests or we run events and or we, you know, maybe at a con, we put on a big social and we pay for that in, in the drinks. But one of the things is is to give back to some type of charity of choice. And whether that's, you know, Extra Life and the Children's um, Network, uh, Miracle Network, or what, what that is. Brett and I haven't decided or talked about that, but we're not out to make a, any money on this at all. But, oh, hell no. So if we do, and it's great, and people find it in their heart to donate to us, we're going to cover our costs and then we want to give back to the community and then maybe, you know, charity and philanthropic kind of thing going on. So, um, just so you know that, and I would do it totally open and on the books and everybody just, I would, here's kind of what we do and this is where we get our stuff and this is where we put it. And so it's very transparent because I believe that that's a cool thing. Anyways. Sweet. So yeah. If you see somebody that's doing that, you know, support them or pick it up and do it yourself. Brett, maybe, I don't know what's going on October 2nd through the 4th, but, or even yeah, November can, 7th. I know we're going to be at game hole, but I don't know. If yeah, we'll gonna... see what we can do. We can make something happen. All right, man. All right, dude. Okay. Brett said we'll do something. <laughs> All right. This is this is like how this is how I get roped into running Knights Black Agents games. This is, I, I said, dude, something you said you were going to run it, man. I don't know what the, I don't know what the beef is here. Uh, Roped in. He says, "Sounds like such a damn victim." <laughs> Jesus, grimy river. All right. Well, hey, this has been episode forty-eight. Um, you know, if you like what you hear, tell somebody else about our show. Uh, you can drop us a few lines. You know the channels. If not, check out our website at gamingmbs.com. 
If we didn't cover this one as you felt we should, you think you got some points you want to make to counter something we said, hit us up, man. Let us know uh, where we made mistakes or how we can fix it or what you want us to talk about. We'll be happy to chat. All right. So uh, on that note, I'm one of your hosts, Sean. I'm Brett. Good night. Good game and all. <laughs>